You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name is Colin Kelly. As always, I'm joined on the show by Doug Moore, my co-host here on the podcast. And uh, today, uh, I'm happy to say, I'm always happy for the guests that come on the show, but uh, the guy on here now is always a lot of fun to have aboard the OTI podcast. And uh, a lot of you, if you read Roto World, you'll know this guy very, very well. It is Patrick Doherty. And somebody, some people, Pat, some people might be thinking, who's Patrick Doherty? But uh, it's at RotoPat on Twitter, and I'm pretty sure you'll be familiar with that there. But Pat, thanks again for uh, jumping on the show. But I want to start off uh, just uh, looking through your Twitter feed as it uh, popped up uh, about 40 minutes ago, probably on my Twitter feed. You've tweeted out, I am the Pope, I am also young. Can you uh, clarify what uh, what's going on over there? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's available in the Commonwealth yet, but the TV, Jude Law TV show, The Young Pope, yeah. where the entire, uh, the entire plot of the show seems to be that he's the Pope, only young. So it's just uh, getting a lot of play and jokes over here about... Uh, a very straightforward, almost maybe too simple plot device. So I just like I really enjoy young Pope jokes. That's what that's where that came from. And uh, obviously, as well, the last time I had you on was uh, preseason. We done a preview, and there was a lot of talk then. And I know you were doing your uh, podcast rounds over kind of probably the last uh, eight or twelve months, and there was a lot of jokes about uh, political uh, sides of things. But that hasn't worked out how we thought it was gonna was gonna roll. Past. No. No. No, and yeah, I think now I'd be wise not to make any on the record criticism. So uh <laughs> I hail the new president elect. Uh I view him as a father figure. And so yeah, uh yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, and we can all agree that we all feel the same way. Uh we, we don't want to get our internet uh, privileges uh, cut off or anything like that. So uh, but obviously um last it's week It's funny was, because it's terrifying. It is quite terrifying <laughs> and I, I'm glad I'm uh at least have some water between me and uh, Mr. Trump. But uh, obviously last week was the wildcard weekend. Lots of great action. Well, lots of blowout action, really. To, you know, those parts of games were very good. But, you know, I'm a Packers fan, so I enjoyed uh, watching the Packers win. But the way it uh, kind of went in a lot of one-sided games, hopefully this weekend we have some better games to preview. So we're going to talk through them uh, as the show progresses. We're going to start off with the way I always do by thanking everyone for tuning in. Obviously, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those ways. You can listen to us on the website as well, OvertimeIreland.com. You can stream it on there. Twitter handle is at OvertimeIreland, and uh, give away a couple of t-shirts this past weekend, so I'll be doing the same this week, so make sure you're following it on there. But looking back at the wildcard uh, and the games that took place, I'm going to let Pat go first, then let Doug give his opinion. Uh, one key talking point, if you had to, to pick one thing that you took away, good or bad, from uh, last week, Pat, what would it be? Like you said, it was for playoff games, it was maybe like the least compelling slate of four games the NFL you know, could have ever happened basically in the NFL's nightmare. Just not a great playoff weekend. You know, NFL playoffs are usually extremely dramatic, even if there's bad teams in there. And one of the least memorable weekends ever, but... I say one of my takeaways. I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers looking like Aaron Rodgers still, even without Jordy Nelson. But I thought maybe Thomas Rawls, you know, kind of exploding, finally having like a 2015 Thomas Rawls game was maybe the biggest, uh, you know, unexpected development and kind of breathing some life back into a Seahawks offense that still has a lot of issues. But the Seahawks, you know, 
they're going to be they're, they're deserved underdogs against the Falcons. It's going to be a real tough game for them, but they might not have had a chance if, if Thomas Rawls hadn't gotten going and it, giving them a running game could you know, reopen up that passing game. And just I thought that was a, a real big development to at least give, you know, kind of the battle tested Seahawks a, a real puncher's chance this weekend in Atlanta. Yeah, I think uh, we'll be talking obviously about that game coming up, but I think as well the way that uh, the Lions this season, you know, they've struggled against teams that are actually really competitive, strong NFL teams. We've seen that on a couple of occasions. They had a lot of wins late in the fourth quarter. That's well documented. So maybe as well, they just come up against a team who are better than them, and uh, the result in the end proved that. Some of the coaching decisions during the game too, obviously, can be called questionable at this point. Looking back at them, but a uh, strong one. Thomas Rawls, a player I'm quite uh, high on, and I've bashed that offensive line all season and uh, but he had a really really solid game uh, there uh, Doug your your takeaway yeah I mean not to it's tough because my my point was going to be uh the fact that when Seattle runs the ball effectively look at what they can do and you know Pat obviously touched on it with how well Thomas Rawls did you know this is a team that you know for many years was a, a strong defensive and running team uh with Marshawn Lynch and this year they sort of took a step back a little bit, you know, with uh, running back injuries to to Rawls and to Procise, but also Russell Wilson not running the ball much or nearly as much and being not nearly as successful running the ball as we had seen in years past from him. But I guess to, to if I had to give a separate point, it's just the way that the Packers are able to step up when, you know, you know when they lose a strong guy like Jordy Nelson. We saw R- Randall Cobb go off for, for – over 100 yards and three touchdowns yeah. when he hadn't been doing that much this season uh considering Devonte adams breakout so it just shows that you know their their depth is ready to step up and and uh, even if they don't have nelson which i i don't think they will uh this is a dangerous offensive team now that they've also figured out their running back situation a little bit more between uh ty montgomery and christine michael yeah, it was uh, interesting, obviously, when Nelson went down, it was looking bleak for the Packers at that point, but uh, they, I actually think they pl- started to play a little bit better, and Rodgers started to spread the ball around a little bit more at that point. My talking point's obviously going to be about the Packers, and you said about Cobb. His uh, last game for the Packers, which was three games previous, uh, was held with no receptions and that, then he missed two games with that ankle injury, so uh, kind of a mini-retirement for him, and obviously his season hadn't been good up until this point, so... Nice to see him get back involved again uh, with how things were going on his season. But my question uh, is, obviously, the MVP talk has been talked about a lot this season. Uh, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, and obviously Aaron Rodgers in consideration for it. But the thing I want to know is, obviously, you know, the Packers have basically gone zero RB this season. And uh, I know that Doug's obviously going to probably have strong Brady thoughts about this. But with the actual uh, play that Rodgers has put up without any... Uh, running game really to speak of pretty much like if you take the two running backs out of Atlanta with Freeman and Coleman and the running game with how Blunt's played this year and obviously Lewis coming back and if you take that away completely from those offenses is there any other quarterback uh, in the NFL that could run the offense the way that the Packers have this season I don't think it's a great way to run an offense with Pat is there any of those three like I think Brady without that run game's in big trouble I don't know if Matt Ryan can uh, produce what he did this season without the, those two running backs yeah, I mean, that's a pretty interesting question. I would say Aaron Rodgers' skill set is definitely unique 
to that situation of this, how even though he's over 30, he's still such an amazing athlete and so shifty in the pocket. And he did that even for a few games where he couldn't move. Yeah. You know, he had a calf injury and a hamstring injury and was still kind of doing it. It, it was kind of hypothetical. It was very interesting. It's really tough. I mean, the lack of running game, like you said, would be bad for Tom Brady, but he could probably work with those weapons there. So I, I don't know if I would blanket say that's like a, a reason Aaron Rodgers would win the MVP. It's a very, you know, kind of one of those years with three choices. There's no real wrong choice, in my opinion, between Brady, Matt Ryan, and Aaron Rodgers. But, uh, yeah, I would I would say that yeah, it would be very hard for a quarterback who wasn't Aaron Rodgers to kind of make the lemonade he did out of those lemons this year. Yeah, and I think that Matt Ryan actually deserves to be the MVP, but I'm just it was another hypothetical question that I thought of uh, as I was preparing for the show. Uh, getting into some of the news now over the last uh, couple of days, uh, a few coaching changes and a few of them actually in the, the last few hours. Uh, the Bills have hired uh, Carolina's defensive coordinator Sean McDermott as their head coach. He will replace Rex Ryan. The Broncos have hired Vance Joseph. He is the, the Dolphins defensive coordinator with them out of the playoffs now. He is going to be lining up to uh, replace Gary Kubiak, so getting a defensive mind in there is going to obviously work well with uh, that good defense that they have there. And then uh, Doug Marone, who, you know, after he left the Buffalo Bills a couple of years ago, seemed like he was going to have to, to stay in kind of purgatory forever and not get another opportunity, but he was the OC, then he was made the interim uh, court, or head coach uh, when Gus Bradley got fired, but he's going in there now as the, the head coach. Uh, David Caldwell, the GM, also signed a, a two-year extension, which maybe a little bit of a strange one he's obviously tied to Blake Bartles and then the, the part that's kind of I want to get your thoughts on uh, Pat is with Tom Coughlin coming in uh, obviously started uh, coached them kind of at the start of the their history as a franchise but he's coming in as the executive vice president of football relations uh, how do you see uh, this all shaking out and uh, do you think it's a good move by the, the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, I don't think it's a bad move. It's an you know, interesting move because it's not what Tom Coughlin has experience in. And I think it could really kind of end up just kind of like a valedictory kind of like career coronation kind of celebration lap type job where I, you know, he's a great football mind, but I'm not, I'm not really, you know, it's t- tough to say what Tom Coughlin brings to that job just because that's never been his role in the NFL. But uh, it's certainly not a bad move, especially when you've got a, you know, kind of uh, not inexperienced head coach in Doug Marone, but only two years in the NFL, and I don't, I don't know if it's, gonna, I don't think it was gonna be like a Pat Riley situation where if like Doug Marone falters, that Tom Coughlin's you know gonna step in and you know, you know you guide the team to the, uh, the the Super Bowl or anything like that. But basically, long story short, that answer is I feel like we just don't have enough information on Tom Coughlin in this role to really make a, a sweeping judgment on it. And uh, Doug, I want to get your thoughts on the, the Coughlin situation. With Do you think it's uh, kind of bizarre that he seemed to be somebody who was interviewed and was in for the actual position that Doug Marone has got and then that he got the position then as uh, vice president of football operations? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing, like like Pat said, is you know, he's a great football mind, but I just don't think we have enough experience with him in a front office role as opposed to a, a coaching role. Um, the one thing I want to point out is you know, you mentioned Dave Caldwell being tied to to Blake Bortles a little bit. I thought Dave Caldwell did a terrific job uh, between last off season and uh, you know what what we've seen this season. He made a lot of uh, you know terrific draft picks. Uh, just even besides Jalen Ramsey and, and Miles Jack, you know Yannick. Uh, I, I can't pronounce his last name. No uh, Sheldon there. Day as well. But yeah. <laughs> um, 
But um, can't pronounce no, anybody's I, last name. I, and plus, they you know they they signed uh, you know uh, Malik Jackson as well, and they had one of the one of the more underrated defenses in the league this year. I think uh, I think their their biggest struggles were you know they didn't uh, have a, a consistent run game, um, which people are going to point to Chris Ivory being signed, but people don't realize or don't think about it necessarily. The Jaguars had to spend a certain amount of money. And, you know, while it wasn't necessarily a need for them, it's a luxury that they had to spend on. And it didn't turn out well in the first year. But I think Dave Caldwell's done a great job, uh, at least in the past year. Uh, Coughlin getting the final say, I, again, I don't know if that's going to work out or not, just because we haven't seen him in a front office role. So, like, Pat, I'm, I'm going to go with, you know, let's give it some time. Let's see how it works out. And uh, obviously... No one was more delighted to see the Dolphins crash out of the playoffs this past week than Doug, because it means that on this week's show he doesn't have to pronounce uh, Jay Ajayi's uh, second name. So. Ajayi, I, I can pronounce it. <laughs> I've been doing it for yeah. like five, six weeks now. Yeah, I don't need to give 14 <laughs> weeks to uh, get the pronunciation, but that's okay, Doug. Ajayi, back off. <laughs> uh, I was just going to add real quick on, on Dave Caldwell. Where he definitely, all of his moves have always seemed really good on paper, but they haven't really... They had yet to really translate anywhere until this year on defense. I agree with Doug. They had a really kind of underrated defense. And he's been – he seems like his processes have been really good, uh, Dave Caldwell's, but the results maybe haven't met yet. So I think he definitely deserved to keep his job. But so, but maybe not the worst idea in the world for the Jags to kind of bring in another set of eyes, so to speak. And if you know next year is anything like, like uh, this year was, I think Caldwell probably sent packing and – I don't know if that would mean more power for Tom Coughlin or he'll get to hire a GM or whatever, but uh, yeah, I would. Caldwell has been—he's been just a real interesting guy to me as a general manager. Not quite entirely sure what to make of him. Yeah, and obviously there's still a lot of young pieces there, and the, obviously free agency last year. We'll see what they do this year in the draft and free agency, but still a lot of pieces that are trying to gel together in a, in a very short space of time. So we'll see how it works out there. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts, Pat, on uh, coordinators getting interviews so I, I talked there about Vance Joseph going to the Broncos you know obviously the, the Panthers are out of the playoffs already so the situation with Sean McDermott doesn't really come into effect but you know like Kyle Shanahan offensive coordinator for the Falcons are preparing for the Packers this week they obviously had the bye week last week but you you want to think of them guys you know preparing for the playoff game but some of them are you know have interviews coming up for the possibility to be a head coach themselves do you think um, that actually affects the preparation of the team uh, I would be interested. I was trying to look up online, but I couldn't really find a lot about it as to past experiences of teams with coordinators preparing uh, maybe for head coaching interviews and then how their team's done in the playoff. Uh, do you think it affects the teams? I don't know. Maybe you could ask Nick Saban that. He thought it affected <laughs> Alabama for so much that he fired as offensive coordinator a uh, week before the national championship game. But yeah. I mean, clearly these are human beings and – They've got, you know, you're trying to focus on the biggest game of the year, but then on the other side of your mind, you're focusing on like the biggest career opportunity you've ever had. Yeah. So I'm sure it affects it a little bit. I don't think we've ever seen any great trends of, you know, this cost in teams, playoff games, whatever. I mean, the Patriots, you know, as Doug knows, has happened so many times with the Patriots. It's happened a lot of times uh, with the Seahawks in recent years. And I, I would say it's one of those situations where it's not, it's not ideal. It's not how you draw it up, but it's really, I don't think it's uh ever reared its head as like a huge issue that's you know ruining postseasons 
Yeah, and it's one of those things too that it's just a, a scenario where if you're doing your job well and somebody's going to want you as a head coach, you're more than likely going to be in the playoffs. So that's probably the way it's going to, to yeah. happen. Yeah, and these kind of, the kind of guys who rise up these kind of ranks are usually pretty good at compartmentalizing. So like I guess maybe Kyle Shanahan, you know, spend you know, Monday he's thinking about his career, and then Tuesday, you know, he's <laughs> on to the Seahawks, so to speak. So yeah, true. I, so- I don't think it's a yeah, I don't think it's a major issue. Um, on night of the games, I guess it's time to start talking about the games. That's usually a good thing to do when you're trying to preview a weekend of playoff <laughs> games. We have four games this week in uh, Seattle. Obviously, we talked about the Seahawks and obviously the, the offensive coordinator, Kyle Shanahan, for the Atlanta Falcons. The Seahawks traveling to Atlanta. That'll be the first game this Saturday night. And, uh, you know, Doug, I know we talked about uh, Thomas Rawls, but Doug has been a, quite a big fan of CJ Procise this season, but he needs to get cleared for contact before. Uh, playing in the divisional round but there is a slight opportunity that he could be available there and the Falcons have been quite poor this season against uh, pass catching backs we'll see what happens there he did fracture his scapula and probably his best performance of the season um, you know so we'll see if he does have an opportunity to play this week but I think the you know obviously the Seahawks won against the Lions and I thought the Lions were quite tame and quite a quite a few points in that game but I, I think when we're looking at this one I think the li- with the bye week, with everything that's going on, with how Atlanta have put up points this season, I think it's going to be very, very hard for the Seahawks to, to maintain that. Uh, obviously, with Aaron Thomas out and so on and so forth, I think I, I think that I think Atlanta wins this probably by double digits or more. How do you see Pat this one rolling? Do you think the Seahawks, you know, could roll in here and win in Atlanta, or do you think the Falcons should take care of business in this spot? I mean, the Seahawks clearly anytime. Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson in a playoff game, they're going to have a chance to win. But I agree with you that this is not a normal Seahawks team this year. You know, it's kind of a, they had to fight and claw kind of for every win, really scrape by in a way they're not used to. And they, they never got the offensive line sorted out. They really never got the running game sorted out. Even the receiver core has been kind of in chaos all year. Tyler Lockett played hurt for a while before, you know, then really getting hurt. And so missing, you know, one of the best players in the league on defense. And they kind of almost had an overachieving year at 10 wins and winning a playoff game. So, Clearly, you can never say this core of players and this coaching staff don't have a chance in a playoff game. But yeah, the Falcons, they find a way to score 30 points on everybody. Uh, the game's at home, and uh, I, yeah, they're about four-and-a-half-point favorites. I think I'd probably bet on the Falcons to cover and win that game. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned there with Russell Wilson, you know, up until I think it may have been three or four weeks ago that pretty much every game he had been in since he was in the NFL, uh, they had a, a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. I think it was that they had never uh, trailed by more than uh, 10 points in the fourth quarter. I think it was up until that game against the Packers in Lambeau Field. And So they always keep it close. They have a lot of come from behind victories. And you'll remember it might be four years ago now that they actually this game took place in Atlanta as well. And the Seahawks did come back in that one and pick up the win. And that was on the roll. I think to the, their Super Bowl win actually. So it was. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot more spread apart than people think. This one's going to be. I think the Atlanta Falcons will win it comfortably. What, how do you see it, Doug? Yeah, I mean, I think I said this last week, and uh, I'm going to stick with it. The big thing for me here, and obviously you can, you're going to give the Seahawks a fighting chance just because of how well they've done in recent years, especially in the playoffs. But the thing I look at, and, and Pat brought up a good point. They had to fight and claw for a lot of their wins. They weren't necessarily the dominant team that we're used to seeing. You know, they lost Earl Thomas. Their run game was never sorted out. Their offensive line, I think, was easily the worst in the game this season. So I I, I find it hard, uh, especially against a well-rested, like you brought up, Colm, uh, team on the road. And, and that's the other point. I said this last week. Um, 
Seattle's home road splits are just so vastly different. And Seattle's a much better home team than they are away. Um, you know, they're, you know, they, they have their losses and they, they've done well without it. You know, they, they lost Tyler Lockett. They lost Earl Thomas and they've still been able to win 10 games. But, you know, I think this is going to catch up on a, on a, a Falcons team that, you know, is ready to go. They're healthy and, uh, you know, they're at home while Seattle is away. And, and uh, it's just going to be difficult for me to, to say that the Seahawks are going to win this. But again, we can really never doubt them in a playoff game, regardless if it's home or away and whoever it is against. And we've seen that in years past. So I'm going to say Atlanta. I'm not going to say by a blowout. I think it's going to be a rather close game. Uh, but I, I don't see Seattle winning this game, no. And uh, when you look back as well to uh, the game played in Seattle earlier in the season, uh, it's interesting that all these teams that are playing now this week have all already faced each other earlier in the season, so it's going to be interesting to see if that affects the game plans. But with the game in Seattle, we all remember Sherman and Julio Jones was that kind of controversial call or no call at the end of the game, but Atlanta probably uh, you know, were very close to beating them at home. So when they, they face them in Atlanta, it's going to be a very, very tough one for the Seahawks to win. The next one, I'm going to do a little bit of a spin on it, and uh, I hadn't told the two guys this, but uh, I'm going to let Doug kind of argue the Patriots side, and I'm going to put Pat in the difficult situation <laughs> of uh, arguing the oh. Houston side. But the uh, <laughs> Patriots are obviously 15.5-point favourites at the moment uh, in Vegas, so it's uh, a big split there in that. Uh, Legarrette Blunt had 105 yards and two touchdowns in that week three game. Obviously, Tom Brady didn't play in that, but I expect to see him getting a, a, a quite a big workload in this one again if the, the game script goes according to that plan. And then uh, for the, the Texans, obviously, Brock Osweiler played a quarterback this past week and got them that win, but uh, Tom Savage has cleared the concussion protocol, but I expect uh, Brock to, to get the start in this one unless he plays particularly bad, which is a huge possibility that uh, we'll see uh, him play out this game. But I'm going to let uh, Pat go first. <laughs> anyway, that the, the <laughs> thank you. Oh boy. No anyway, that uh, Houston rolls into Foxborough. The Patriots coming off a nice bye week, staying fresh, and uh, they go in there and they they roll the Patriots over. Yeah, I would say. Kidding aside, I would say fifteen and a half point. It's it's a gigantic spread. I feel like maybe it's, it's a little. I think it's uh, I heard today. It's the third biggest uh, playoff point spread. Uh, you know, in, in the last ten years. Yeah, and to me, that's a little bit insane when you know, the team coming into town, rolling into town, like you said, is the number one defense in the league. <laughs> and and like uh, we've seen the, the very few times in his career that Tom Brady has struggled, it's against like a ferocious, fast pass rush. And right now, Houston has that. So I think they might have a formula to cover. I certainly do not think they're going to win. But I feel like maybe 10 points would have been a little bit more appropriate spread. And I have no idea if this matters, but... Yeah, he's played them and lost them a few times already as the head coach of the Texans. But I mean, obviously, Bill O'Brien knows the Patriots about as well as any opposing coach in the league. So, say between you know, that and their clearly a really, really good defense, that I, it's not—it's not like I would say this is a zero percent chance of this upset happening. But obviously, I'm expecting the Patriots to win. They'll I'm not maybe expecting them to cover fifteen and a half. If they do, maybe late. It's just huge to me against this kind of defense, but yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots—they could, they might almost use it. Not that Bill Belichick ever does this. They could almost use it as like a kind of an experimental week for the conference championship, test a few things out. So I think they'll win for sure, but maybe just not quite as comfortably as Las Vegas thinks that they will. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy point spread, and uh, it's obviously going to get Doug his chance here in a moment. I just want to go back to last week's game. Obviously, you mentioned the the. the 
pa- uh, the defence of the Texans. Uh, Jadavion Clowney's having a, a fantastic finish to the season. Uh, really came on strong this year, and uh, Merciless as well has had a, a terrific run there for them. It'll be kind of frightening when we get JJ Watt back in to see the three of them playing together. But just uh, Pat, uh, if you watched that Texans game last week, did you get enough JJ uh, Watt shots? <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Yeah, I mean clearly. The producers were afraid that the game was not enough entertainment for us, so we needed a lot of J.J. Watt back slapping. But with, uh, you know, when they can do sideline shots of Bill Belichick like they'll be able to do this week, I think we'll see considerably less J.J. than we did last week. So, uh, Doug, it's your opportunity now to uh, really, it's going to be a hard argument, but uh, how do the Patriots win this game? I feel <laughs> like this is a, um, a debate between two people uh, on uh you know who gets elected class president in high school um and one's you know and, and i'm not i'm not saying anything about that one i think is the, the popular one one is the, the popular kid that everybody loves and the other is this um oh god i don't know what you would call it but Outcast. we'll call him a we'll call him a big underdog that sort of threw their name in there so that way that person the the popular kid doesn't get uh go unopposed but um <laughs> It's a good enough. I, I, it, it, this is this is nothing about you. It's more about the Texans. So, um, but no, I, I think that there's a couple things to keep in mind here. Um, you know, the the Patriots. You know, they faced them in Week Three with the third string rookie quarterback, uh, who only threw 19 times, and they still shut them out 27 to nothing. Um, you know, there, there's a couple things to keep in mind here. Obviously, Tom Brady is healthy. He, you know, relatively, he was a full participant today um you know and, and you know they have him at quarterback as opposed to Brissett. um but the other thing and i was talking about this earlier with a co-worker of mine um the patriots have been i i think arguably the most healthy team in football this season um and, and maybe some may think it's crazy to think but when you look at their injury report in uh, their uh, ir they only have four players all season that have been on ir um, one of them is obviously Rob Gronkowski, uh, but the other, I guess you could call it three. I mean, Sebastian Vollmer's also on there, but he was out before the beginning of the season. Other than those two, uh, there's only been two role, small role players, uh, Greg Scruggs and, and Jonathan Freeney, who are on the IR. This has been an extremely healthy Patriots team, I think, where a lot of their, their key players, obviously besides Gronk, have uh, not missed games um, for the most part. And uh, that, that's very scary because last year, and someone pointed out, the Patriots had 17 players on the injury report uh, this time last year, and they were extremely unhealthy going into their divisional game. So th- that's another thing to keep in mind, uh, along with the fact that, you know, I don't think Houston, while they have a terrific defense, I don't think they have the offense to keep up with the Patriots. The Patriots have been terrific against the run lately. Um, they're also the statistically the best scoring defense in the league. Uh, but you're also going up against a, a team that's shown that they can they can beat DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and if you take away DeAndre Hopkins, you got Lamar Miller. And that, unfortunately, that's about it, I think, uh, when it comes to major playmakers in this game. So I, I, I think that it's going to be an easy win for the Patriots. But I'm with Pat, and I said this earlier to my coworker. I don't think that they cover the spread. I think it's going to be a game that the Patriots have a comfortable lead throughout the game. Shut I could up. see it being – no, I, I don't think it will be a shutout. I no, sit on it. I said sit on He's the He's saying that they're going to sit on the ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, no, I think they will. 
I think they're going to run the ball a lot with Garrett Blunt when they faced them in week three, ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. And now they have John Lewis, who's getting almost 50% of the carries as well. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Um, I don't think they're going to pass that much. You know, I think the Texans have the best, besides the Broncos, the best pass defense in the league. So I think the key to this is going to be running the ball, which they're going to do to control the tempo. But, yeah, I, I don't think that the Texans have much chance of winning, but I also don't think, like Pat, that the Patriots uh, necessarily cover the spread a little bit here. Yeah, I think Doug won me over with that argument, and uh, I, uh, no, I agree. I agree with both guys in that there, and with the fifteen and a half points too, I think is very large. But maybe later on in the game, there's a turnover too that uh, puts it that way. Uh, I know Doug mentioned the playmakers for the Texans, and I also noticed that he didn't mention C.J. Fedorowitz. Maybe, maybe that's another <laughs> name that he can't buy. I don't know, Doug. But uh, uh, yeah, well, well, I I didn't forget about him, but also I didn't story. want to try, and I I didn't want to attempt to to, to pronounce his last name. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I have to say too, Doug said. It took him 14 weeks to uh, be able to pronounce JJ. It also took him up until this point to get a kind of semi-good analogy of something that he was trying to describe. So thanks, Doug, uh, that there's a uh, greatly appreciated. Oh as well. wow, I'm actually getting that. I'm getting points for that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a few people I like to thank for that, but we're <laughs> short on time. But uh, moving on to uh, obviously the game in KC up in Arrowhead Stadium, we have Pittsburgh going to. Uh, Kansas City and what a surprise this week uh, Big Ben and a walking boot shortly after the game for that press conference it, I think it's one of the first times I've ever seen Big Ben possibly injured as he heads into a, a football match but uh, it looks <laughs> like he's going to be okay I think Ben's going to be okay this week and uh, Mike Tomlin said it shouldn't be an issue for him but uh, obviously quarterbacks injured big concerns there but uh, I, I don't really think that Ben's too bad what do you think Pat? Ben's not hurt. I mean, he it's like second nature for him to put on a walking boot or whatever. Uh, he has like a tiny he com- foot that is a yeah, <laughs> He was completely fine Sunday, and I'm if the Steelers lose, which I think they will, I do not yeah. think it'll be because of Ben Roethlisberger's health. Yeah, I, I do think they'll lose as well. And you know, we all we talk a lot about uh, you know the the road splits with Russell Wilson with Drew Brees, but Ben Roethlisberger's over the the past kind of. 18 months have been quite uh, drastic as well and I talked about being at home last week and how that would help them and uh, it obviously did help them and they won that game quite comfortably but they got off that early start but I think with the heavy dose of Le'Veon Bell that we're seeing and obviously he's having an absolutely amazing season amazing last week again but I think it's Ben's not been relied on to throw the ball as much and, but there is times when there's games where they have been a lot closer this season and it's down to you know the situation with him turning the ball over he's had quite a few turnovers down the stretch and I think going into Kansas City which is you know we all talk about the 12th man in Seattle it's very very loud up in KC and it'll be extremely loud for this playoff game and I think that with that defense and how they've been playing, uh, you know, they're going to have Justin Houston back for this game. And, you know, Spencer Ware looks to be playing well as well. So I think the plan here for the Chiefs is to kind of run the ball as much as they can. You know, some gadget plays with Tyreek Hill and see how that goes, get Travis Kelsey sprinkled in there. But I think a lot of it's going to rely on how this defense plays. And I think it's a, a very, very tough matchup for Ben Roethlisberger going into this one. Uh, he's possibly going to be without Ladarius Green, who's still in the concussion protocol, didn't practice today. But looking at how things are developing and how the Chiefs' defense is playing, do you think, uh, you said there, you think the the, Chief, or the Chiefs will win this game? I, I agree with you too, and I think they'll win it quite comfortably. If you look at how they've played this season and how strong they've been pretty much over the last uh, 18 months, they've uh, been really, really dominant, uh, strong, strong team over that period of time. How do you see it shaking out? Do you think KC uh, wins it comfortably? Do you think um, uh, you know there is a chance here for for Pittsburgh to come in and upset the Chiefs? I mean, of course, there's a chance, but uh, there's always the way. Like, I think like it comes down to like uh, I'm trying to like, collect my thoughts here on this. Um, 
you know, the Steelers, a lot of people don't realize, like, like you mentioned the home road splits, yeah. and you kind of, I think the game really comes down to the Steelers' defense, though, because people don't really remember, like, for the Steelers played a, basically a perfect half offensively against the Dolphins in the first half last week, and the Dolphins were first in goal to make it 20-13 to 13 yeah. going into halftime. And the Steelers' pass defense was just like an absolute sieve against Matt Moore. It was letting Matt Moore <laughs> kind of rip chunk gains. And the Chiefs have been making huge plays on offense the entire second half of the season. And you know everyone knows about how good Andy Reid is, is coming off bye weeks. He's like 18-2 and two in his career. And he's also one of the best uh, like scripting coaches in the league, the way he like scripts first quarters, first halves, maybe just first series, really. But he's when Andy Reid has time to play in. Yeah. He, well, that's that's a different story. But Andy Reid is gonna. I feel like it's kind of the Chiefs are probably gonna get off to a big start. They make they make big plays in all three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. And like you said, the Steelers are just a different team on the road. And for as great as like Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown's stats were last week, and Ben's to a point, he was under 200 yards. I, kind of a disturbing development for me from that game was they still didn't have a. a third option step up behind Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and the Steelers are in much better position to shut down not that anyone can shut down Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown but the, the Dolphins are missing a number of really important players on defense and the Chiefs are not and they're a better defense even if they're missing Justin Houston they're a much better defense than the Dolphins were at the end of the season so I just don't think despite the star power of the Steelers I just don't think this is a good matchup and does not set up well for them yeah, I agree. And so far, well, me, Pat, we'll see what Doug picks in this one, but we've gone for the three home teams in this. The three home teams obviously went in the wildcard weekend as well. So are you making it a, a three out of three here for KC, Doug? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, there's a couple things to keep in mind here, and Pat hit on one of them really well. Um, you know, and it's crazy to think this, but despite Pittsburgh having arguably maybe the two best offensive playmakers in the league and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, they really have not had a third guy this season to rely on. You know, we've seen guys like Eli Rogers or Darius Hayward Bay or Sammy Coates step up at random points during the season, but nothing consistent. And that's where I think, you know, and I mentioned this last week and, and uh, calm me think I have an unhealthy obsession with it, but I think that Ladarius Green really, really adds a dimension to this offense from what we've seen that's going to be missing because he's probably not going to play again this weekend. And that's something that, you know, the, the, the Steelers have missed all season after uh, Martavis Bryant has been suspended all year. And, um, you know, that's the thing is that if you can, you know, game plan around, you know, really focusing on, you know, Ben, Bell, and Brown, and, and that's hard enough to do for even one of them, let alone all three, there's nobody else that really is consistent enough to step up. And that's that's the thing that concerns me about Pittsburgh is, you know, the Dolphins, like Pat said, are missing. We're missing a lot of key players on defense. Heck, both of their starting safeties uh, were on IR. They didn't have their starting safeties, which would be responsible at times with helping out with, you know, in, in both the run and pass. So that's my thing is, is I think Kansas City is so fundamentally strong uh, all three phases because now that they're relying on their pass game more. Alex Smith is not making any mis- as many mistakes as, you know, a-, a normal quarterback may do as a game manager, I guess you could call it. But the thing is, he also has weapons on offense to throw to, which we haven't seen necessarily in the past. He's seen Jeremy Macklin, but also they didn't use Travis Kelsey well enough until this season. And now they have Tyreek Hill as well. 
And then when you look on the on the other side of, of the offense, on their run side, uh, Spencer Ware has been terrific this season. And for Kendrick West, I think is still one of the better backups in the league um, to be relied on if needed. And then that defense is just terrific in pass rush. And also, you know, they're, at times they're secondary and they're, uh, you know, their pass uh, protection may not, not pass protection, but pass defense, rush. Um, uh, pass rush, thank you, um, <laughs> may falter at times uh, or it may not be dominant all the time. This team is, I don't see a lot of weaknesses with this Kansas City team. And I would be, I would be concerned if I'm the Patriots, because this is probably going to be the toughest test for them if they do face the Chiefs. So um, I don't think Pittsburgh is, is, strong at all in enough phases to be able to beat Kansas City. Also the fact that they're, you know, playing at home, the Chiefs are. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with, with uh, the Chiefs this weekend. So that was Doug saying that, yes, he does agree with us for a, a three out of three so far. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, that's, that's, that's the, the Reader's um, Digest version of it. The uh, Obviously, as well, you mentioned the tight end position. Uh, it is an, an unhealthy position. Uh, an unhealthy obsession, but uh, the Chiefs have been really, really good against the tight end this season so far, so it'll be tough for him if he does play to have a big game. Last game of the week is Green Bay at Dallas. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Packers in this one. Jordy Nelson went down quite early in the game last week, uh, suffered two fractured ribs against the Giants. He needs to practice this Saturday if he's going to play, but uh, there's rumours that he might suit up, but I, I don't expect him to have much of an impact if he does. Geronimo Allison has been quite... Uh, good down the stretch as well so he's likely to have more of an impact uh, if that does happen obviously we'll see if Cobb can keep up what he did last week and then as well uh, with Devontae Adams having a very solid season uh, so far the running back situation Ty Montgomery obviously picked up an injury and that last game he's expected to play Uh, we'll see it's just pretty much even though how people are talking about him it's pretty much a mismatch there at the a mismatch at the running back position Uh, the Cowboys come in obviously healthy off that bye week Uh, Zeke Elliott and crew looking to knock off the Packers obviously we've gone for home teams all the way throughout so far I'm going to go on the the homer decision this one and go for the Packers and I do think it matches up pretty well for the the Packers in this one their problem is going to be uh, if the the Cowboys continue to keep time in possession and then you know it's going to be a tough one from there the Packers kind of need to start quick and try and get out to a lead to see how things go are you going for uh, four homes out of four Pat or are you uh, siding with the Packers in this one I think I am going to make it four for four and Say so the Packers are the kind of, you know, they're kind of quick strike can pounce offense or definitely the kind of team where if they get up early on Dallas, they could spring the upset. But I mean, Dallas has been so strong, so consistent all year. I mean, they're 13 and three really should have been 14 and two if they had tried in week 17. And I think the Packers, the Packers defense really kind of came I don't not unraveled, but just the Packers defense kind of no fell off left. As, as the year progressed. Yeah, so many injuries and the run defense, which looked really great the first five or six weeks, that ended up being kind of matchup dependent and very ordinary run defense. I mean, you got Clay Matthews playing with one arm and a shoulder injury. The secondary is really banged up. I just don't see how they disrupt the Cowboys' formula, you know, running the ball, like killing the clock, and like picking their spots with big plays in the pass game and. They're going to need some early turnovers from Dak Prescott and some early wow plays from Aaron Rodgers. Just otherwise, I just I just don't think their defense 
I, I just don't think their defense matches up well with what the Cowboys want to do on offense. And I think uh, betting on the Cowboys is kind of famous last words, but I think the Cowboys will win. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are probably more than likely going to, to take this one, but obviously I'll be holding out hope. And I do think the Packers could get out to that early lead, and I think that would put a lot of strain on how this Cowboys team wants to play with the run game. Obviously, we all know about their offensive line, but if there's a lot of pressure put on Dak to try and find ways to win this game, it could make it very, very interesting, and that's kind of the way I'm looking at it because there's no doubt the the Cowboys are going to put up points in the Packers in this one. It's just about can the Packers put up more points. But even with how bad the Packers' defense has been, they've been creating turnovers and even last week again uh, held the Giants to uh, a rather low total. So that is an interesting way to look at it. So obviously Pat's uh, going against the, the Packers there on me. And Doug, are you on uh, my side of this? Uh, you know, or are you... You really going to crush me into the ground and go with Pat? Yeah, I mean, listen, I I, I don't pull punches here. Um, <laughs> you know, you and I, you know, we we have our differences, but I think today I'm actually going to agree with you, um, and I think that we're you know we're going to fuck. The, yeah, I know this is this is it's a kiss of death. This is this is something that you know people need to watch out for beyond just this show because that really has global effects. But no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, I, I think there's a couple things that I, that come to mind um, and as to why I think the Packers will win this game. Um, and some of them can't be explained on paper necessarily. Um, but when you look at this game, uh, you know, obviously the Packers have been led so far. You know, they, they've really made this, um, you know, this, this great stretch of play. And part of it, if not most of it, is because of Aaron Rodgers and how well he's done and just how well the playmakers have done. You know, Jordy Nelson probably won't be in this game, but you saw the player step up even when he wasn't in there. You know, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, Devontae Adams, Ty Montgomery. There are, even Jared Cook, too. There, there are players that step up, um, and it's almost like they have la- – it's like an onion. They have layers, and it takes a lot to get to the core and be able to rattle it. And, um, you know, I think that's the thing here, even if Nelson doesn't play. They have plenty of playmakers to step up, not only in the pass game, but in the run game as well. Um, and, and you know, the, the things I can't explain on paper, you know, when you look at the two top players, I think, on this on this uh, uh, Cowboys offense are Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, who are both terrific players and, you know, have experience at the college level being in high, uh, you know, big situations in playoff games or in a bowl game. But this is the NFL playoffs, and they're both rookies. This is their first taste of it. And, you know, we've seen players that have done well all season that, and this is in every sport, where they could have been the regular season MVP or an all-star, but then it's, or a Pro Bowl in this case. And as soon as the, the postseason hits, they're a whole different player. And it's the, and vice versa, too. We could see players that did really poorly in the regular season and just step it up in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think that's the thing we have to keep in mind is, uh, can the rookies who are also leaders of this team in terms of production and just how well that uh, been direct contributors to how well the Cowboys have done, can they handle an NFL playoff team, uh, an NFL playoff game? Um, and that's going to be the thing to think uh, that, that makes me think that it won't be as easy as, as uh, Cowboy fans hope or, or those rooting or, or think that the Packers won't win. So, um, that that's just another thing for me. I mean, I think you know when you look at Dallas is playing at home, um, and you know that never hurts. They're they're relatively healthy. I think they're actually the healthiest they've been all season. I think I saw their injury report today, and, and 
there was no player that was missing from practice today. So it's going to be tough for the Packers to win the thing. And you consider that it's a home game for the Cowboys, and they're probably the healthiest they've been all season. But I just think that the playoffs could completely change a player if they haven't experienced it before. And I think that the Packers have just stepped it up and, and might be able to, to win this by just scoring more points, even against a, a, one of the best offenses in the league in the Cowboys. Yeah, I think as well when you look at it, the Cowboys have, you know, kind of like what I mentioned, if the Packers can get out to the lead, the Cowboys have been front runners all season, uh, kind of leading their division the whole way, leading the conference almost the whole way, getting that number one overall seed locked up and so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see when uh, real, real, uh, you know, if a difficult time does come in this game, say in the third or fourth quarter and they are trailing by maybe double digit points not saying that that's going to happen but that's what i'm hoping happens and uh, see if it puts a bit of pressure on this team so it's going to be one uh, i'm really looking forward to watching this sunday so pat obviously thanks once more for jumping aboard the podcast it's always a fun time when you come along the listeners should be following him on twitter if they aren't already it's at rotopat all his stuff's usually up on roto world if you find kind of a, a blog post up there you know a, a little piece that has a bit of sass to it maybe <laughs> a bit of attitude to it that's that's usually pat uh, putting those ones up but uh, anything else, Pat, going on that you want to give a plug to as we wrap up here? No, I'm still I'm in like hibernation mode after the season ended. We kind of go sure into <laughs> we go into like Jan yeah we go into like kind of January comas. Yeah. I mean that's not true. Evan Silva does not. Evan Silva is like programmed to Evergreen. work 24 hours a day always. Yeah, he's like an indestructible, indef- indefatigable human. <laughs> But uh, no, just keep reading the blurbs and the you know the off season articles are going to be coming soon and just trying to enjoy some playoff football over here basically and uh, you know become a human again after the NFL season. And obviously, since the last time you were on too, there's a, a new arrival into the Doherty House. So uh, congratulations on that. I probably should have mentioned that at the start. And uh, obviously, oh, thank you. Obviously, uh, uh, Doug's on Twitter at DMoreNFL. I'm on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Make sure you're following those feeds uh, as we head up. And Doug will have plenty of Patriots news coming up. Uh, this week as well so stay tuned to his feed and uh, of course until I'm back with the next show next week have a good one thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word this has been an Overtime Ireland production 